0: Welcome to another Talk Hockey radio special. Today I am joined by one of the most iconic players in the game today. I am most accustomed to seeing her destroy the hopes and dreams of opponents in the famous colours of Orania, but this weekend we'll be watching her in the Euro Hockey League for Den Bosch. She is a former World Player of the Year, multiple-time Hofclass champion, European Club champion, European World and Olympic champion. Welcome to the amazing Lidave Velton.
1: Hello, that's quite an introduction, thanks.
0: <laughs> well, it's all true, it's all true, it's very impressive, your, uh, your record is phenomenal.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: um, so, we're here today... Uh, Let's talk about club hockey, really, um, and not so much on on the national team. Um, the fact is, we have we have the first Euro Hockey League uh, taking place for the women at the same time as the men in the same venue, uh, which is absolutely fantastic news it's a shame of course that there's there's no crowds uh due to covid um but what what does it mean to you as one of you know the the big names in hockey not just in women's hockey but in hockey generally across the world what does it mean for you to have the european women's club event at the same level now as the men's
1: well i think it's a really big and nice event and it's really cool to watch so it's uh i think it's a good step for women in general but also for women in hockey and sports uh that we make this step that there's no difference anymore.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you'll you'll be representing Den Bosch. Um, so for the listeners, Den Bosch is probably the biggest, most successful women's team in hockey. Not probably not just even in Europe, but probably worldwide. Um, so you've been playing with the team for 16 years. You've won 12 national titles in the Hofklasse You've won 11 Euro Hockey Cups. Um, could you just tell me a bit about your journey and how you joined the club in the first place, and your progression? through the different levels in the team?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, I started in Valkenswaard at Horg. It's a small club, no hoofdklasse. And when I was 13, I made the step to Den Bosch. Um, Well, it was a dream to play there. Uh, All the big names and we have won so much. So I was really honored that I could play there. Uh, It was actually a bigger step because Eindhoven was more nearby. But I chose Den Bosch anyway. Um, and then when I was 15, I, made, I played the first game and actually ever since I've played in the first team <laughs> and I'm still loving it, still enjoying it, um, still think I can do better, um, want to make teammates better. And still enjoying uh, the Den Bosch culture, actually.
0: Yeah, that, that, that leads on nicely. I mean, the next thing I was going to ask is, what what is the culture of of Den Bosch? Because you just seem to always win. It's like a relentless machine of victory. What is it? Yeah. About the culture?
1: we haven't always won. I think, but <laughs> well, that's being critical and being a spotter. Uh, I'm looking more at the uh, things we haven't won. And I think we should have done those things better. But yeah, that's one of the things in the culture, I reckon. And the other one is, I think we're fighters. Um, we want to fight for every meter on the grass. Uh, and we call it in Dutch, we say over my dead body that somebody's going to score a goal against us. And that's what you see back on the pitch.
0: Is it is it weird? I mean, from, from a UK point of view, our, our national team, they train much more as a national team and not so much as club. They do a bit of club. But I get the impression that... Over in Holland, you know, you'll you're train a lot with your club as well as with the national team. Is it weird to be so frequently playing against, you know, your national teammates? Is it Is it challenging to sort of, particularly in the approach to things like Tokyo, worry about putting in a tackle that could potentially injure a key player in the national team? But for your club team, you shouldn't be worrying about that. Is it a conflict or is it not a problem?
1: Um, Well, we're used to it, so we don't know any better. And actually during a game, I'm never busy with injuring the opponent. Like it's never in my mind. So it doesn't matter if I play against a teammate from Orange or that it's not. Um, I never want to injure the other one. So it's not even... And I think in the whole team, it's not on your mind. And I think if both teams give 100%, you don't injure each other. You're just fighting for the ball, and it's just an honest fight. And I think when it's not even in your mind, it's not happening that way. Mm. So I prefer people going 100% because I think that's... the the smallest chance something will happen and yeah. for the rest we're very used to doing that where we do it for years like training with national team on monday tuesday then go back to the club so uh, we don't know any better and of course around finals it gets more tense and fights gets heavier but it's also okay because i know like in tokyo i want her to fight like that then on my side so yeah as long as it's fair it's okay
0: yeah cool um and you mentioned about uh sort of your, your your love of helping the players develop and you're helping to as a i guess now probably one of the the leader the leadership group of of den bosch how does the club keep producing such ridiculously good talent like looking just at the current squad it's incredible but then if you go back in time, it's it's all, you know, Mark Chapelman and so many other names you could mention. It just always seems to happen that the club either attracts the talent in or produces it internally. How do you think that happens so much?
1: Well, sometimes I'm even surprised myself. So there's a young girl at the training and I'm like, where the hell did she came from? <laughs> She's so good already. So I think it's, uh, of course, it's in the youth. Um, and I think it, we have good trainers there and it goes together with, uh, that's what I said, the culture. Um, we want to stay for at the balls and we want to play for the balls. And i think having that culture together and uh saying it out loud to each other um i think that is helping as well because not not many big talents have left them boss Actually, we almost everybody of us has, has played like for years already um, and that's something yeah i think that says how close our team actually is and we it's also like you've got to be at your best to keep your head above water during trainings if you're not like there's so many good players um you have to get the best out of yourself if you want to play like a good game so um i think that's also something what was helped developing ourselves and make getting better every week.
0: Yeah. Um, And and obviously, one of the most important parts of getting better every week is is the coach. Um, And there's a big change coming for the first time in 12 years. Um, I'll I'll hopefully say his name correctly, but Raul Aaron is leaving. Um, Yes. What's it, what's it been for you to have him as the coach for that long? And, and why has, how has he stood out as a coach to you at club level?
1: Um, well, actually, he grew himself as well. That's, and that's really cool to see. Um, I know him since I was 15 years old because he was the assistant. And he's only been gone for one year in between. And then he was the coach for 12 years. So I, I, think, um, how many se- I think you said like six, 16, no, 14 seasons in the first team.
0: Uh, yeah, you've had 16, and I'm and and, and from a press release from a club. He's been 12 years as coach.
1: Yeah, so I, I know him for 15 years of the 16. Yeah. Um, and he's he knows everything, like everybody's quality, what's happening in the pitch. He's really good at analyzing. But apart from that, he became also a really good people coach. So he started as a good analyzer and he grew to be a people coach. So he also knows what every player needs and um, how to coach that person and that person. Like not everybody needs the same coaching. And I think he grew really into that and uh, became an analyzing people coach and I think that's something you don't often see somebody who's good at analyzing and also good with people so I think that's his uh, biggest quality.
0: Sure and so replacing him is Marika Dijkstra Um, what are your sort of hopes for her coming into the club Um, do you know much of her as a coach herself sort of what are your expectations?
1: Yeah we're really happy she's coming Um, I think she has a fresh look on the team but she do has those values that we think is important um so yeah i'm actually really looking forward to it i'm not sure how it will be it will be weird to have a new coach in front of the group um kind of feel like i don't know any better but i'm also really looking forward to it so uh yeah it's a new challenge for us for her and um yeah i'm really
0: excited um and it it seems for whatever reason uh historically women have not been in coaching positions and increasingly we're now beginning to see this happen so in the uk we have for example kate richardson walsh is now coaching at Hampstead and Westminster in the top division. You've got Alison and Anne coaching the national team in in the Netherlands, Marika, Sophia Kurtz uh, doing Antwerp for a long time. Do you think we're now seeing that change finally happen and we're going in the right direction?
1: Yeah, definitely. But I also think it's like they do it themselves as well. Um, maybe there's a bigger platform for it, but all those women you've just mentioned, I see them as power women. Like, yeah, they're really powerful and they know what they want. So I think that's also like, yes, they did it themselves. to to come there and I'm happy there's a bigger platform for it um but it's also yeah they can be proud on themselves that they managed to do that
0: and um then sort of looking at you as, as a player and, and women as players um is it weird for you being a role model obviously you've, you've been in the national team for a long time now so I suspect you have probably got used to it a little bit but how is it what's it like being someone that players look up to, that kids look up to and that adults see as as a as that's what people should try and aspire to be like. What's that like for you?
1: Well of course it's an honor that people look up to you that way. Um but I also forget it often. (laughs) I'm just like I'm just leading and a happy girl and then sometimes I hear it and I'm like, oh yeah, oh that's how people see me. Like I for I forget it. It's not that I um, feel myself a role model. Um, but on the other hand, inspiring youth, uh, young girls, or even adults, especially during Corona, I I use my platform to do that, to inspire. And I, yeah, I enjoy doing that as well, like putting in the positive vibe and uh, challenge people.
0: Cool. Now, um, I sort of wanted to uh, uh, tell you a, a short story, but um, in 2010 at the Champions Trophy event in Nottingham, uh, where uh, I think you were playing in that tournament yourself, actually, Um, I picked up a Dutch national shirt and I decided to get Marta Palman's name on the back. And when I put it on and I was having some drinks with my friends, a lot of people said to me, you know, she's a girl. Um, And it was as if there was this um, barrier that men should not see women as role models. And I wondered... Do you think that's changing as well? Um, do you think, I, I think as a sport, perhaps we are more open now. We have the equally amazing campaign from Eurohockey and hopefully people do understand more that it's okay for blokes, for, for men to look up to women athletes and to women umpires and women coaches and see them as role models. Have you seen any sort of change yourself?
1: Um, well, I definitely hope it's there. Uh, i not sure if I always see it. Um, it's always also hard to hear it. Uh, But for example, during uh, the game the other week, there was this women umpire uh, in soccer, which was really big. The French umpire, she was um, for the national team, she was the umpire. And my boyfriend said, yeah, but she's good, so she should be there. So I was like, yeah, you go. Yeah. So I think it's happening, um, but you don't always hear it. It's of course not a man walks up to me and says, oh, you're my role model or women are my role model it doesn't happen like that but you see it's more common and you see it's happening a lot more in all kind of different uh sports but also in the business world you see more women climbing to the top and i think that's just really cool yeah and be normal.
0: yeah hopefully more and more and it's good to see in sort of coverage of the events that women are increasingly on the same level as the men in terms of all the posters all the campaign material beforehand so it feels like we're getting there maybe next time uh if i have a woman's name on the back of my shirt i won't be teased so much for it <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so so going back to the euro hockey league this of course it's 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 a big, big event. Um, you're you're in the semi final against Amsterdam. Could you tell me a bit about the rivalry between the two teams?
1: Yeah, well, it's big. I think in the last um, sixteen years that I've played, it's either been has been Amsterdam or us. So I think that's actually says enough. And um, it just yeah, it's gonna be a good game, I reckon. And maybe uh, maybe not, but it will be a fighting game uh, for sure.
0: I'm I'm very. I think out of all the games on the weekend, that's the one I'm. Probably probably the most looking forward to seeing. I, I, the Blumendal against uh, Leopold for the men, that's a big one, but for me, this is a really exciting one. Um, and it'll be the first time I actually get to see the, the two teams play against each other as well, which would be nice. Um, yeah. But what, what, if if you had to identify their threats, and I appreciate there are a lot of them, <laughs> uh, where do you see as their, their big danger points? Um.
1: Well, their combination game is really good. They're really strong on the midfield, uh, but they have a far scoop as well, which is really a weapon of them. And I think the attackers are just really sharp in the circle. They can, uh, I think they scored a lot of tipping goals lately. Uh, so that's maybe says not everything, but it says a lot that, uh, their attackers are really sharp in the circle and try to jump in front of their, uh, our defenders.
0: Yeah. And then, and then vice versa, what do you think your team's big strengths are? Why are you going to be the ones who come out on top?
1: Um, I think defending we're really, we're really doing well. Uh, we have only one goal against in the competition. And we made it ourselves, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, it doesn't say everything, uh, but it does say that we're, yeah, that the defending is really good. And I think we have uh, a lot of quality in the team. And, um yeah, we're really fast in attacking. But it's also quality of Amsterdam, again. They're also really good at defending. Um, so that's why I said... It's going to be a tough game, and uh, yeah, it's we're equally, and I think the team that's going to work the hardest, fight the most, is going to win and be the smartest. Actually, be smart in the pitch.
0: <laughs> and then uh, going into a final, who would you prefer to face if you can? Uh, if you can say that.
1: <laughs> actually, I haven't been looking further than the semi so far yet. Um, you're going to face one of them anyway. Either in the third, fourth place, or in the final. Um, so I hope definitely the best winner of those two. Um, yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't been looking any further than the semifinal. It's, it has been two years that we actually played a final mm. as well as the club as a national team. So we're so looking forward to finally play again. So our total focus is on that, and from there on, we will see when we play and against who.
0: Sure. Um, so. Finally, as we said, this is the first ever Women's Euro Hockey League, um, and it comes across in in what we've discussed already how personally you and the team take it when you don't win, um, and you can hear the pain in your voice talking about it. But how important is it, like to to the story of Den Bosch, that that is the first name that's ever written on the trophy?
1: Sorry,
0: as, um, so uh, we... I get it. I
1: get it. Yep. That is this a new tournament, and we yeah. want to be first one on the yeah uh, yeah you know what it is i just want to win like doesn't matter if i'm the third name or the first name or the second one i just want to win this cup and with this team and i'm really excited about playing and fighting for it um is it more important because it's the first one? I don't know, but I'm just happy that it's broadcasted on TV, on the internet, so people at home can watch because I think it's going to be a real good game.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for for taking the time to join me today. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, and best of luck uh, with the tournament. I will be watching with a beer in hand cheering you on. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much.
1: Yeah, I have one question, actually. Sorry? Which name? I have one question for you, actually. Uh, yeah. Which- which name is gonna be on your back when you get a new girl shirt?
0: That's a good question. Um, depends on the country. <laughs> uh, I think for for the for Great Britain, it has to be uh, Howard Tess Howard. I used to coach her a little bit, um, so I'm really proud to see where she's gone now. And in fact, my favourite memory um, from the Euro Hockey Nations Championships in Antwerp was when she played against you. Um, it was not not a fun game for her. <laughs> You won quite convincingly, but um she stayed so disciplined and set such a high standard and even if she was playing with a broken hand um she she still insisted when they were losing that everybody did their jobs, everybody maintained their role, and I think what an incredible young leader. Um, you know she's a great hockey player but she's an amazing leader um, so yeah I think when I get the next next Great Britain shirt I'll have Howard on the back of it
1: well maybe after this interview she will give you one
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we'll see well thank you so much for that
1: yes thank you